Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Welcome to Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets, episode 114 of your Keeping Score at Home. In studio today with... Cassie Schrader. And our special guest... Katie Jackson Richter. And last and least... Thomas M. Barnard. Doubting Thomas. We'll be right back after these exciting announcements. On Brian, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We are back. Sunny Thursday, fall in Minnesota. Life is good. Joining us in studio is our special guest, uh, Katie Richter. I've known Katie for a long time. She is the chief operating officer of uh, Cuneo. Is it Cuneo and Associates? We we respond to all. Right. Yes. Parent company of Car Soup. We're going to get into that a little bit, but it is a tradition of car selling secrets that we have our guests tell the story about their very, very first automobile. Katie, well, you're I'm going to have to tell two. Okay. Because it was within a two-week window of each other. My very first car was a 1978 Honda Accord. Nice car. Oh. It was a hatchback, had a nice stereo system in it, yeah. and died two weeks after I got oh. it. But I paid seven hundred dollars for it. Oh, okay. So you know, and it was my birth year. I thought it was like this wonderful, exciting oh, thing until it didn't work. I have shirts older than you. You know, I love being around you because it makes me feel younger. Forty-three Whoa. years old. When somebody says, you know, that stuff like that, it makes me feel chipper and youthful. But my second car is really my favorite story. Okay. Because my sister and I pulled in our money to get a 1967 Volkswagen Bug. Mint green. Oh, mint and green. Mint eh? green, you know, may have put that furry pink steering wheel cover on it. Sure. Some fuzzy dice. We had a great time. Except for a month later, the engine died. So problem. my dad took us to a, you know, like German uh, auto repair place in Podunk, South Dakota. And he told us how much it was going to cost to rebuild the engine. And the tears in the teenage girl's eyes knew oh. there was no money to fix. And then he said, well, you know, said to my dad, I do have a Porsche engine that'll fit in the back of that. In and a Volkswagen? So we had a Porsche engine in the back of this Volkswagen bug. That you had to like carry an ice scraper to scrape the oh, inside yeah, no of the window. Oh yeah, no heat in them at all. It was so awesome, but the problem is the speed cable couldn't catch up with the power of the engine, so it kept right. popping it. Oh yeah. And my mom worked for the police department, so the cops would see my sister and I driving. No, where did and you grow up? Is this in town or where, where did all this take? The Rapid City, South Dakota oh, okay. area. Oh, I love that. Town. And so the cops would go by and they'd do this to my sister and I. <laughs> <laughs> Katie's waving her hand up and down like, and yeah. I've learned. Slow it down, ladies. I used to use that hand signal on my children when they were little to calm them down. Calm down. Because nothing down. people love more than being told Don't to calm down. Don't ever do that to your wife. No, I, I was going to say. exactly once. Catherine does it to me all the time. Well, you're not a wife. Then she comes over and pets me. <laughs> she does. She comes over and like, little girl. It's like, uh, whatever. Yes, dear. <laughs> By the way, i got to mention this to you before we move on. When I was uh, running promotions in the Midwest for Capital, I used to stay at the Alex all the time in Rapid City. I just love to see Alexandra. Is that still open? 
the Hotel Alex Johnson is still open, Alex and I've heard Johnson, it's recently been renovated. Because when I we stayed there, it. when we got married, it was a dump. Was it heard, really? But that was like 16, 17 years ago. But I've heard it's been reno- renovated, and it's lovely. See? The Alex. The Hotel Alex Johnson? But uh, is he related to Howard? or Howard Johnson, yes. He was Howard Johnson's brother. He was kind of a... Uh, what would you? The, it's a historic hotel. Oh, it's definitely historic. It's beautiful. Kind of like a, I don't know. But have you ever been to Rapid City? You spent any time in Rapid City? I, I, I've been through Fantastic. it twice. Once on a motorcycle trip, and then once with the kids, and we spent the night there to go to Mount Rushmore and see the. My husband and I have no family left there, but we still call it home because it's yeah. just, it's just to me, it's like God's country. It's fantastic. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me, and the timing couldn't have been better. I was out there, and I had never been in the Badlands. Right. Which well, is the wanted, weirdest place on the planet, isn't it? I it's went just, into the bad cool. weird. It's and cool. it started snowing. You want to talk beautiful, man. Yeah. Oh. Holy God. I'm sitting like, is this heaven or what is this? It's kind of where heaven oh. you know, meets the oh, earth. Oh, God, it's, it was beautiful. Yeah. No, it's cool, but Ooh. there's no other place that I've ever seen that looks like the Badlands. It's no, that's really unique. It is, absolutely. Being a car salesman, I couldn't tell you why, but it is, uh, it's cool. What's the name of the house that kind of sits at an angle that, like, it's about, it's kind of by wall drug or something kind of like that? The you know? Corn Palace? No, no that's not. in Mitchell. Sorry. That's in Mitchell, South Dakota. Sorry, been there, too. Up. Tom, I can't think of what that dang house is called. Right uh, you now. know what I'm talking about. I, I think I might have to give away my, my South Dakota card. Dang. You might have to. You're done. No question. <sighs> So, Katie, how did you wind up getting to the big city of Minneapolis? What was your journey from I was about a guy. Up? Was Uh-oh. it? <laughs> it's always a getting guy. A, getting so, away from or going to? He was going on, to. He was on parole. <laughs> he couldn't, I, couldn't leave Hennepin County. I or? actually started my career in radio. I was a lowly little salesperson at a station in Rapid City, South Dakota. Started managing in the sales. And, you know, in small-town radio, you do everything. You sell. You're on air. You do whatever you're told to do, and that's mm-hmm. what you do. And eventually, my um, my now husband got a job here in the big city. So, Ooh, look at that. Yeah. yeah. Was, that, was, it, was it the Olmstead? wasn't even the family that owned all the radio stations and stuff. It's Halgo Broadcasting. They still own. That family still owns those oh, stations. Do they really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I still keep in touch with people from that long ago. I don't. I avoid everyone, <laughs> especially Doug. We're, we're friends with uh, Larry Thompson, more famously known as Moon from KS95, and he's mm-hmm. retired. Great and he grew guy. up in a really small market in Nebraska and did what you did. And yeah. He tells this great story. He was also the court reporter. And at the end of a shift, he's reading a story, and he goes, and... Um, Larry Thompson was arrested uh, for possession of marijuana with intent to distribute. And this is Larry Thompson reporting. (laughs) The owner owner of the station drove down and fired him on the spot. He was 18 years old. That's why you couldn't drug test working in radio. There'd be no other staff left or promotions people or salespeople. There'd just be nobody. Sorry. Now, you worked in radio in the, in the cities here. Of, I did. Uh, did I actually yeah. served a little time at KQ, but started here in the Twin Cities at what? It was Clear Channel, which okay. is now iHeart. Which is no, right. Yeah. Spent a, a little time six at... Six iron away from here, Yeah, KQ and 93X, and I've been at Cuneo now for 16 years. So, so I want to yeah. explain to people what uh, Cuneo Advertising is. It was started by a guy uh, named Larry Cuneo, who, when I first met him, it had to be in the early 90s, I think, maybe 94, 95. He was my rep for the Star Tribune. And back in those days... Um, was king. It was the best job in the world, because basically you made a buttload of money. As advertisers, we had... It, it'd be like if there was one radio station, right? right. Did right. you want to be in the newspaper? Well, that's this is the one. Pay it. It was really expensive, and as a rep, you worked... I think you put in four hours a day. Maybe. 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 Uh, but normally it was a, g- a good golfing job because you could be done by one in the afternoon. And he was a scratch Larry's golfer. Larry's a great golfer. Yeah, he was yeah. really good. Yeah, and be a super nice guy. I was carrying you people back then. I was doing all the voiceover. <laughs> you guys sitting around in your ass, and I'm working like a dog. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not in newspaper, remember? I'm a car salesman. No, I know. Okay. But, I mean, they, so, they, did, they did some Cuneo back then. Does Cuneo not do... Radio and television. Oh, we sure do. I thought you yeah. did. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, but it really started, and I was, because I got, you know, I, friends is too strong a word, but we certainly had kind of a bromance going. We'd always talk when he'd come into the store, and mm-hmm. he said, yeah, I'm going to leave. I'm going to start this ad agency. I think this internet thing might take off. 
Well, he might have been right about really? that. There's possibility. So he's done pretty well. And I, I, I knew some people that were in the original crew. And as the story goes, and maybe you know it better than I do, because you always ask, how did you come up with a quirky name? And drinking in a bar, somebody said, let's call it Car Soup. And that was kind of stuck. So, And as you remember, the early days, their hallmark, they, they produced some pretty quirky but fun uh, TV commercials to sort of launch the brand, and they played him on Nine right. and stuff, and, yeah. it, and it really took right. off from there. And now he's a multi-billionaire basking on the beach in Florida. Well, young Katie does all the work of running the actual company. Oh, she does. Run so, how did you join Cuneo? What, what was that? How did that happen? Um, I worked a lot with the car guys in town, mm-hmm. and one of the one a, a God, client still our client today. <laughs> recommended me for the job because the rep left at Cuneo and who, who was it do, do we know who it is can you say I'll just say it's Brent Wade who's now oh, okay. Volkswagen of Invergrove Brent and he was he was working for Metro Mitsubishi and Metro Hyundai at the same yep. at that time I worked with them when I worked at KQ Drive 105 and 93x and when so I was Brent's uh, immediate boss but we both work for Ted Turp yes that's yep. old Teddy there Ted so <laughs> been everywhere like and a bad so cold. he you recommended me for the job. He goes, you know who you should talk to. And so I got a call, and that's it. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. I was trying to think of what the hell account. I had a big account with Cuneo, but that was, what, 30 years ago or more? When did Cuneo start? Uh, we've been around for 44 years. God, what the hell was the account? I can't, I'm trying to think of what it was, but I can't remember. I worked a lot back in a... I should have stayed in the voiceover business. I didn't have to get up at 2.30 in the morning. It was wonderful. Yeah. You should have. Much better. But back in those days, you had to fly all over the world, right? Back, yeah, and back that, in those days, yeah. That's fun that, like, the first week you do it. Oh, oh business remember, travel is exciting for, for like two weeks. Two weeks, and then after that, it really sucks. But, yeah, the only one who had a satellite in town was PBS. Mm-hmm. PBS was the only satellite so far. And there were like two, two or three days every quarter where you couldn't use it because of the sun position of the satellite, it wouldn't oh, work. Oh, yeah. That's still happening. Yeah, awesome. it's hilarious. That is funny. But honestly, God, Katie, I'm not kidding you. And Cassie, I would go in there to cut a commercial, and if you thought of touching your own headphones or the microphone, or it's like, that's my job, don't touch that. They got very touchy about you. Do not are, touch are anything. Are they all union? Oh, oh yes. I had oh, no yeah. idea. Oh, yeah. Well, and equipment was so expensive. Really yeah. expensive. And now it's like almost anybody can, you know, be a videographer with their cell yeah, phone now. It's so true. it's just a different game. It takes a lot of t- equipment and talent to run a podcast, though. I just got to oh. Well, this is an impressive environment. Oh, I know it is. engineer over there, you know, yeah. the whole deal. It's yeah. unbelievable. But, you know, it all works out in the end. So he started selling at Cuneo and then worked your, how did you get to be the chief operating officer? I mean, that's, that's actually the toughest job in a company because you, you're the one that does all the actual work. Well, I have an amazing team, so I don't actually do all the work, but we have an amazing team. I had an amazing team. <laughs> I started let's, on the account side. Let's have side. a quick call and poll. Everybody, uh, 561-228-4061. Who would you rather work for, Tom? Or Katie. Yeah. Who'd you rather work for? I wonder yeah, I wonder how that's gonna turn out. Go ahead, Katie. <laughs> so I started on the account management side. I worked just on the street local with uh, uh, car dealers all through the city and a couple of non automotive. We do work in some non automotive business as well. And um, really aligned myself with the car soup side of the business, continues to build out our entire uh, digital environment, uh, launched our very first Google AdWords campaigns. And back then, that was was not a thing. And so next thing you know, I was working in account management, doing my own AdWords accounts. We just really built out our entire digital platform, and we were probably one of the first in the business to really expand in that area. And we were... You guys have actually led the way in a few things. One of the cool things that uh, I think it was Brian came up with a few years ago. It's called deep linking. So CarSoup is famously known as an aggregator of used car inventory. They get the, It's basically as a car dealer, we sell our inventory information to them so they can then turn around and sell cars for us. So mm-hmm. it, it works out pretty well. But they invented something called deep linking where if you're looking through CarSoup and you say, oh, God, I've been looking all over for this purple Belchfire 6. This is it right here. You click on it, and it takes you directly to the dealer's website, which as dealers we think is really cool. In the old way, you would sort of, well, 
car gurus, when they started, they wouldn't even tell you who the dealers were. And it was all this hoop jumping through. It was bad for the dealers. It was bad, a bad experience for the customers too. Yeah. But that was a. That well, was it a just eliminates cool thing. the hoops that people have yep. to jump through to buy a car, and you know we're kind of a immediate, instant gratification world right now. And to just get people right to the source, whoever has the car, and you don't have to give your information a million times. Yep. Nobody's going to sell your data. It goes directly through the dealer, and it just makes the car buying process a lot more consistent and easy for the yep. users no it's great and we you know is that's the same philosophy obviously that walzer has too it's like why don't we just break down as many roadblocks as we can we can sell more cars with the same number of people and people will be happier it's uh it, stunningly unusual philosophy in the automotive world i had another question for you want to just well, i'll bring something up while you're thinking ahead. of it so in 1977 i did my first uh car dealership ad 1977 remember that year uh, and of course they because of my deeper voice they they wanted to hire me <clears throat> so what was the name of the campaign in 1977 for the car dealership i know it you do know it i, I you do. do don't you because i'm a fan oh i know you were doing james earl jones imitations car you? wars car wars <laughs> Did you do the breathing? Wait, Walzer brings you car wars. It wasn't Walzer, obviously, but they still do that same I, I th stuff. I think it's they terrible. still do it. Do they do? Oh, yeah. I think that is something you still hear on the street. No, they're staples, and we just finished. <laughs> What's the theme in the car world for the previous month? Yeah, Rocktober. Oh, Rocktober. Oh, you got Rocktober. And then there's yeah. always spectacular deals. Spectacular oh, Ramathon. Ramathon. Yeah, the Ramathon. Ramathon. There you go. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ. Nice I, business. You know, I'm just I have a term that I coined in the car business. Mm -hmm. Cheesy spectacular. Well, yeah. Because like they just need a you know, cause it car ads are fun and you just have to take them to be a little lighthearted. Because if you take yourself too seriously. Right. You're selling cars. You're not curious. This is cancer. fun, guys. Yeah. You gotta have fun when you're buying a car, selling a car. Well, especially like on social media, it's a hashtag line. You know, yes. like you can just hashtag it and, you know, just constantly do that. And eventually you, it'll start popping up mm -hmm. everywhere and whatnot. I, I know I used to love those cheesy uh, car dealership uh, commercials on TV. Ixnay, Doug wrote all those. No, I know. I made a, lot, <laughs> no, made a were, career out of that. They were so, they were, like, it brings you right back to the 70s and the 80s. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, that, right. you know, the nuance that it had, it just... Oh God, I miss that like, like the uh, Wally MacArthur. <laughs> I, I used to call it the circus. Yeah, oh well, yeah. Because it no, looked he had like the a big calliope in the on the show. Oh, floor. I know. Yeah, they had the big oh, over off of Fort Eighty Four. They had like the big look like big circus tents. Yeah. And you have an inflatable gorilla. <laughs> I think they did. I think they did. Until, there was, the, there until was a, the internet was invented, that was the best, highest volume, most profitable used car dealership in the state of Minnesota. I really? know. To work there, you needed engraved invitations. They would, I know. I mean, really? Nobody uh -huh. left. They were all just great salespeople. My parents bought three cars from yeah. them. Yep. Yep. I remember oh, we that had was the, the spot. We had a Ford, uh, a Ford, uh, what was it, the Esquire station wagon. Oh, nice. Oh, good oh, stuff. Yeah, the thing, it was so rusty, good on a dirt road, the whole back end would fill up with dust. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd the be in the back just... <laughs> The scenes in Fargo where uh, William H. Macy is being interrogated by the floor plan company. Floor plan is what dealers pay uh, for interest on loans they take out for inventory. Right. Mm -hmm. That was all filmed in Wally McCarthy's. In yeah, fact, that's Jason right. McCarthy, uh, Wally's son, has the desk that William H. Macy sat at. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Where is, what's he doing now? Uh, you know, I haven't talked to him in a while. I think he's just kind of having fun playing golf, from what I can tell, which was <laughs> well, too bad. basically his job description most of his life. He's a hell of a golfer. So his job description was, hey, Dad, how we doing? <laughs> hey, Wally, to his credit, would show up for Saturday Saturday morning sales meetings at 88 years old. Oh, I don't doubt that, man. Those guys, those guys who started, those people who started those, those dealerships worked well. Most of them did. They most Jack of them, worked well, his butt uh, off, did he? Wally had to work hard because he had like nine wives. I right. Think. <laughs> oh, well, I wasn't aware of that. Well, but. I think it was, he was, uh, I, th I think it might have been four or five. Anyway. You know how what I say? You love to be in love. That's you right. You love to be in love. That's exactly right. <laughs> 
I have a question for you, and this is actually for Tom because we talk about this oh, a lot, here we go. and it goes to advertising Here's and traditional question. media. What the matter with you, Tom? What? No, no, no. It has to do with traditional media like TV and radio, yes. and how in the world? Because the Nielsen ratings are so obscured, and they're just—they don't tell you anything. How do you measure the effectiveness of traditional media in this market? What's your take on that, Katie? Well, um, there's. You know, there's the old school way, and then there's the modern way. At the end of the day, we still know when the traditional media gets turned on because mm -hmm. you get a phone call. Either business is good or business is not so good, and the yeah. not-so-good call comes before the good call. Oops. However, there are modern um, attribution softwares that we're deploying for a lot of our clients that allow us to get an understanding for every spot run, whether it be TV, cable, or radio, how many impressions are driven on the website, how right, many users right. and sessions and leads and all of this last touch attribution. There's also, you know, so there's deterministic and there's probabilistic forms of attribution, and we we deploy both types, and it just really depends on how clients want to look at it. Um, but the holy grail will eventually be when a company can say, here are the digital versions of the audio and the video along with the linear, yeah. blend them together. But we're, we're getting there. Well, we've talked there. about this, and I don't under, know enough about radios to, to figure out if it's even possible, but... With everything being wired the way it is now, do we really need broadcast towers anymore? And if we could just transmit everything via the web, it's much easier to measure, right? It's much easier to measure. Everything's that's, easier. That's and what they should have done. It would be cheaper for the radio stations because they wouldn't have to maintain, you know, it's, I'm the sure those tower. towers are really expensive. But it's all the about the technology, and, too. Yeah. Yeah. How are you going to get, you know, somebody with, you know, how are you going to get radio in your car? Well, right and. It, it won't be too long before you'll be able to stream in every car. I mean, if you really want to, you can. Even if you have an older car, you can stream through your phone and into the speakers. There are going to be some FCC regulations as a, as far as accessibility yeah. of broadcast in order. And I am not an expert in this yeah. area, so I'm sure somebody's listening and saying this woman doesn't know what she's talking about. But there are going to be accessibility laws if and you don't regulations. Think Katie knows by what she's talking about. Please text five six one two two eight four zero six. Oh, you know. The and poll's in, by the way. Everybody wants to work for you, Katie. <laughs> I think he'd probably be more interesting. Anyway, I think it, there's a lot of government regulations because there's financial aspects of FCC with the... I the, suppose the, that's true. Yeah. Because it'd be harder to regulate. I'm going to tell you a quick story about uh, uh, last stop um, attribution. And this is, this is always the thing as a customer and a vendor selling marketing you have to try to figure out you know what actually made the customer do that mm -hmm. so guy walks into a bar he has a beer it's three shots of tequila shot of bourbon uh gin and tonic and a cup of coffee what got him drunk yep <laughs> why did he get the dwi it wasn't the last thing no. it was the gin it's the cumulative effect of all the other advertising that's right we'll be right back after this uh exciting announcement i've got a Kind of a sad and yet a funny story to tell. And rolling into fall, kids are back in school, and now it's time to finally do something for yourself. So maybe you're thinking it's time to get back on track with your health. Well, Profile can really help you out. Profile has a variety of plans to fit any budget, and Profile really works. I've been on the program for over six months. I've lost a ton of weight. I feel so good right now, and it's time for me to maintain taking all that weight off. You know what I'm talking about. Danette, my personal coach, will help me maintain my weight loss. She has so far done a great job. Profile has helped me and can help you too. So what are you waiting for? Set up an absolutely free, no obligation consultation today, and you will be glad you did. Visit ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities for more details. In fact, use promo code Tom Barnard and save 100 bucks off your Profile membership. What a deal. Check out ProfilePlan.com dot com forward slash twin cities that's profileplan.com tom here for shift real estate last year about this time when we were making plans for key west i met the folks from shift real estate and when i heard the shift story it made sense to me 
It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. We are back with Walzer Automotive Group's car selling secrets. I got a phone call from an old friend of mine who worked together for a long time, Tim Ryan, who is Tom Ryan's older brother, called me up and passed on the the somewhat sad uh, news that a a friend of ours who had been in the car business for a long time named Jim Rosine passed away Mm. at 89. Uh, and here's the cool Jimmy Rosine story. I've known Jim a long time. He was really Walzer's first used car director, and he taught me a lot about the business. Super smart guy, really funny. But he started North Star Auto Auction uh, back in the, I think, in the 60s. He, is, he and his partner owned it, built it up into a really good business, and then sold it in his 50s, and he's like, I'm going to kind of retire. And the one thing I have to tell you about Jimmy and his wife is they were nudists. You know, it's a lifestyle, and it's kind of, I don't know that they practiced it a lot in Minnesota in the winter, but it was something that they talked about openly, and it wasn't, you know, it was just sort of the weird thing. So here's the story. Jack Walzer, Paul and Andrew's dad, is on a dealer trip on a cruise in the Caribbean. And Jack could get a little impatient, just like Paul. I mean, it's a seven-day cruise, and after two, he's like, I've had enough with these a-holes. I know them all. I don't want to spend another week on the boat with them. So he gets off the boat in Jamaica. and But he can't get a flight out for another day, so he's trying to find a place to stay and winds up at Hedonism, which is a mm-hmm. famous swingers kind of alt-lifestyle club. Been around forever. I've never been there, but I've heard about it. It's, it's pretty notorious. So he's walking down the beach in the afternoon with a cocktail in his hand <laughs> and coming at him as... Jimmy Rosine dressed in his birthday suit. (laughs) So they stop and they have a conversation, and uh, and basically Jack offered him a job on the beach. So you shouldn't talk about a naked guy and say Jack offered. Him. I was yeah. just thinking oh, the exact sorry. same thing. Uh, that's that's like I was going to say you had me a Jack off. <laughs> well, that's what we're talking. I know my son's name is Jack. I have to be very careful <laughs> at times. Yo, man, liked it. I know that. So yeah, the HR rules uh, in the Walls organization were a little looser back in the late seventies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Offered him a job, standing there, buck naked. Yeah. No, don't interview naked people. So anyway, he was a. <laughs> great guy his, uh, his wife was terrific Beverly and it's uh, passed away so it's an end of an era so hats off Jimmy R.A.P. Jimmy uh, was the, the, the stripper or what was it no no he was the he was our used car director for a long time he taught where did the naked part come from well, he, he enjoyed he being naked used to like to on the walk. street no, on beaches. Beaches well, and stuff. Beach. It's a street, same story. No, I don't want you to get off the beach. I don't think Christ he spent this. a lot of time Jeez. in Dinky Town. See, there's a. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one male friend I, I have that, that I'd like to see naked. <laughs> I got nobody. New beaches are great, then you don't get tan lines. That's true. You you see? Know. Yeah, and I hate those darn tan lines. Oh, they bust the terrible. car out of me. Gail <laughs> Van, I could see terrible. you on a nude beach. Now we're talking. He doesn't yeah. even respond. That's real nice, Mike. I forgot to tell Katie that Mike Gelfand calls in on Thursdays. He does, does show indeed. He's well. on with us now. So, Super Mike, do you have any questions I, for Katie? I, I just like the it just the, the the image stunned me. I like I don't even have any mirrors in my house. <laughs> there you go. My husband always says you got to be a really proud man. Yes. Do yeah. you want to? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't. I, I, it's not me. I, I don't. Wow. Car buying secrets. Yeah. I don't Our know how we go with cars and walking around naked. Oh, God. Oh. 
just trying to think of what picture to use for the recap of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Borat and his like uh, yeah. oh, hammock God. thing. Don't tempt me. <laughs> no, don't do that, Cassie. Don't do that. No, don't do that. Don't do that. I get in enough trouble with the, the HR department of Walzer as it is. We don't need to egg them on. Maybe you get in trouble. You do? Yeah, occasionally. Well, there have been times when some guests have been on sort of Not lit true. up the old Effenheimers. And, oh, not yeah. on car selling secrets. It's every, well, we've done it, a couple. We've done 115 shows. There's well, I know, no, some I that are a little out of bounds. Oh, really? Yeah, that's okay. Right. That's why we have tens of listeners because they like that kind of stuff. Yeah, this show does it very well, actually. I know it does. So shut your. It's because it's only on once a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the because it's only on once a week, so that really works well for you. But I hadn't. I, I got to start writing stuff down or drinking less coffee. I had another question for Katie, and I. Totally I have forgot. a question for Katie. Katie, she's you see so, that she's over there. Well, I'm just telling you. I have a question for. Her. I was going to oh, okay. see. I can turn my head. <laughs> Does your head not work? I can do this. I can look at you. Then I can look at her. Wow! But you see that pile of candy right there? Yes, I do. That was brought to us by the people who own this building. You see many chocolate bars in there? No, I see all of the fruity sugar. There's one chocolate. There's a Twix bar There's here. There's a Twix bar. That's it. And the rest of it is garbage. Is it left Twix or right? I, I was just going to say, I wonder if it's, it's, it's a right. Oh, it's right. They literally, the people that come in and do this show, literally cleaned out all the chocolate and left me with the Twizzlers. You, you know, know if I would have known this, Tom, oh, my skills. kids had the biggest haul oh, did they? I've ever seen. They're in their 20s, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> My fingers just itching. <laughs> yeah, oh, this one finger. Oh, it's just that. really your number one, Tom. Your number one. In any, ten ahead. and six. God, ten and six. Isn't that great? Yes, there's so much fun. That's the perfect oh, there's, If I would have known how desperate you were for chocolate, desperate. I would have brought you so much chocolate. I uh, special delivery. You ever heard of Who chocolate bars? H U. It's called No. Who? Okay, here's a good one for you. This is as good as the wine. It sounds like a Chinese you. Abbott and Costello. <laughs> I, I think it's Japanese, actually. Okay. It's a mm. Japanese company. But uh, they sell an eight-pack of their chocolate bars. They're the size of, like, a, you know, a regular chocolate bar, Hershey chocolate bar, whatever. Sell an eight-pack of it for $55. Mm. That better be some damn good chocolate. It's like six do- $7 her chocolate But bar. you go into some of these specialty stores Jesus. and they have $10 chocolate bars. I know. What is that now? You know, speaking of Halloween and car buying, mm-hmm. you want to start talking <laughs> about some negotiation some tactics. Notes, right. Go ahead. Oh, really? You take a bunch of kids under the age of 11 mm-hmm. trick-or-treating, mm-hmm. throw in a six-year-old, oh, and they God. dump out all their candy. I could show you the pictures. And watch the negotiations uh, begin. Oh, God, you want yes. to talk about the beginning of honing no high-quality negotiation skills? I These won't. kids will be able to make any car salesman cry with their negotiation skills. Oh, you want the manager? <laughs> I'm going to beat you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the full-size candy bars are the... Oh, yeah. that's the gold standard. It is. And Those so are the Rolls Royces. The six-year-old says, <laughs> yes. I have eight full-size candy bars. Ooh. And everybody's like, I'll give you 10 Skittles for one. And she's like, no, I don't like Skittles. <laughs> all right, well, come on over See? here since they're all here. The negotiations are very intense. I love it. So does she still have all eight? Oh, God, last night my husband ate one of them. Oh, God. Oh, there God. There were tears. Oh, there, God. Yeah, don't it, be and, you know, we always joke that there are broke little roommates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Right. And she's insisting her father buy her a new chocolate bar to replace yeah, I agree with the her. one that was eaten. I agree with her 100%. <laughs> See, we were more like foragers when I was a kid because we were lucky enough. And even as a kid, I knew that this was just a charmed existence. We had a, the assistant minister at our church had a farmhouse up in New Hampshire. We grew up in Lexington, Massachusetts. And he didn't <laughs> ski. And it just happened to be right in the heart of ski country in New Hampshire, an hour and a half north of Boston. And he let us and another family, good friends of ours, use it for free as long as we, you know, promised to say prayers. So we would go up there and pray for fresh snow and and, and use the deal. But Halloween was always a way to generate enough um, 
uh, candy to cover all the ski trips for the whole winter. So when <laughs> we'd get back, my mom would just say, okay, dump it up. We never saw it, but she'd just dole them out one or two at a time while we were skiing all winter. So that's a pretty good trade-off. You know, actually. when you're out skiing all day... You get so just, I mean, hungry because you're mm-hmm. cold, you're moving. Yeah, especially and in those days when you had wool big... pants and stuff. They didn't have invented Gore-Tex wet. yet, yeah. you know, and back you're... in the 20s when I learned. Not that old. <laughs> what skiing? I don't know what joke. that is. I have no idea what that is. Didn't they have any ski hills in North Minneapolis? They had a ski jump at Theater Worth Park when I was a kid. Is and that still there? burned it to the ground. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I think the oh. only one left is the one at uh, Normadale. Yeah. And I will tell you, yeah, that's still there. Now, the mm-hmm. one at Highland, or Highland, or uh, Theodore Worth Highland. came to, oh, yeah. came, didn't it come, like, perpendicular to the 10th hole? Uh, yes. Yep. yep. That's exactly where it was. I, I still hold the record, by the way. Nobody will ever, ever tie me on this one. <laughs> First grade, Mike Devitt and I, <coughs> trick-or-treating, got robbed. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. They knocked off a couple of first graders? North Minneapolis. We're walking down the alley with our candy bags. We got robbed. I will never forget. I've never heard another person say, oh, that happened to me. Never happened to anybody but me and Mike Davitt. What the hell is that? In my neighborhood, you don't get robbed. You get free beer as adults. Yeah, you know, not in North Minneapolis. You don't get any free beer. I guarantee you that. Was it other kids, though, that robbed you for your candy or an adult? Uh, he's probably about 13, 12, 13, oh, 14, okay. something like that. So Big just... guy, like 5, 6. <laughs> but, yeah, you should ask huge. the question, has anybody been robbed? Yes, has anybody been robbed while trick-or-treating? Five six one two two eight four zero six one. Yeah, I've never one. heard of that before. No, That's I'm terrible. the only one. It's unbelievable. How many therapy sessions did it take to recover? I'm still in it. It's okay. I'm working, okay. still working on it. All right. I'm getting, trying to put together a plan. You know. <laughs> All right. I think it was about 10 or 11 when we uh, bifurcated the Halloween mission. It was bifurcated. G- gathering candy and also blowing up mailboxes. For, I oh, think that was God. about the age that that seemed like a good idea for whatever You're reason. A terrible person. Cherry bombs and M80s right God, now. cherry bombs. I used to love cherry bombs. Yeah, they made they a lot were, of noise and oh, did a lot of damage. Were loud. We're lucky we I have all our fingers. Up, it was all about toilet paper. Oh, yeah, to- TP oh, in somebody's yeah, house. And, oh, and the yeah. cheaper stuff was the mo- the best nuisance-worthy. Oh, the prison stuff, stuff that yeah. you can read through? Yeah, because yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, that stuff could get wet, and it would stick to everything, everything. and you could not do it. <laughs> it What's the one that like has concrete. the slivers in it? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Oh, it's got a cheap-ass toilet paper. You can still see, like, wood slivers <laughs> in it. Like, I haven't seen hell? that since the Nixon administration. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. It was 1969 or whatever the hell it was. It was back in the day. I was like, I went to my grandparents. I was like, you got like toothpicks in your toilet paper. What the hell is that? <laughs> my dad always told me, he goes, if our house ever gets TP'd, you're in trouble. I'm like, why? He goes, because it's probably something you did to provoke well, it. Well, he's 100% <laughs> like, right about that. Yeah, that's accurate. Uh, so, Katie, were you toilet papering houses in the wild streets of Rapid City as a, as a youth? I was an angel. Okay. I never did You were wrong. an angel. I was an okay. angel. I'll just wait right here. I'm not saying another <laughs> word. was an angel. <laughs> It all works out. I went end. to Catholic school. I was a good, proper I did too. girl. I did. Yeah. Went to Catholic school. It's unbelievable. I married a Catholic. That kind of counts. Which time? <laughs> the final time. <laughs> that was cold. That was right mean. There. That was. That yeah, wasn't yeah. mean. It was cold. No, I know. Love, love. Well, you know, sometimes it takes a little practice to get things right. You know, Catherine and I have known each other for forty years now. Isn't that amazing? Forty years I've known her. And she still answers the phone when you call. I know. She still lets me in the house. I don't get it. I'll never understand it. Let's go back to advertising. Yeah, we we go back to that. I'm curious. So, trying to think of how to add. Oh, I like this. Let's go back to advertising. (laughs) Come on. It's a a pregnant pause. It makes people lean in, right? Because if you talk all the time, people just get bored and hypnotized. So, if you go. Oh, that's my problem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a natural salesperson. You have great verbal skills. What do you see as the future, or the near and long-term future of automotive advertising? Mm, shaking my crystal ball. I um, mean, we're, we're in weird times right now because a lot of dealers don't have any cars. It's like, yeah, let's advertise. Come on in, have some free coffee. It, I think a lot depends on what the manufacturers end up doing. Yeah. 
I really believe that. If if this, some people want to say the trend is going to be build to order. And if it's build to order, which I don't believe Wall Street will ever allow that to happen. The I manufacturers agree. are not going to allow that to happen. But if it's build to order, dealers are going to get really focused on their brands. So you build to order through them. Yeah. If it goes back to what I think is going to happen and the truckloads of cars are shoved down the throats and the floor plans are all fat and juicy again, then it's just going to be the right dealers investing properly in their brands and it's just following the customer journey. There's going to be more and more digital impact. But I think a lot also depends on what's going to happen with privacy. Because right now, the access to customer information and targeting specific people right at their household level the European Union doesn't allow any of that. That's right. right. And so it's hard for me to shake the crystal ball because we're one administration away from hardcore regulations on consumer privacy, and that's probably a good thing. But then we become more and more tied to, you know, the ratings companies and things such as that for audience. And so I think a lot of it's just going to really depend on what happens with government regulations and the manufacturers. But I think it's going to stay a combination of bottom of the funnel advertising and digital and um, brand efforts. And I think video is going to continue to be king. And um, the more and more people utilize social media, their, their smartphones, and leverage their voices, their faces. And there's just so many ways to make emotional connections. And it's really hard to do that in a click environment. You know the power of bringing a brand on airwaves like this. Yeah, no, I don't do this for fun. Well, I actually do, but it, 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 you're right. You're right. I understand. It's what you're making saying. an emotional connection yep. to somebody, and if you make it all about the best price at all times or the lowest price, you might get that car sale. But are you going to get them back for service? Yeah, are you going to build that branding. customer I mean, life? That, there's advertising, marketing, and branding. Right? And with the average new car price right now being forty-five thousand dollars a year, that's more than a lot of people make in a year. In an entire year. So I think it's really about dealers need to be smart about making that connection with consumers. I wish one of the thing, and I don't know how to solve this, but you'll, I'll describe the problem. You understand it. You're in it every day. So a lot of manufacturers, it used to be just high lines, but now uh, Toyota has uh, what's called MAP guidelines, minimum mm-hmm. acceptable advertised pricing. Uh, Honda and more of the mainstream brands have adopted this strategy over the last years, um, the problem is it's a terrible customer experience because we haven't done a lot of research, but the little research that we've done as car dealers, we, th- we think that customers want to know two things when they come to us on, on our website. Do you have it? And how much? We do a pretty good job of telling them if we have it or not. In fact, I would argue that we give them way too much information. It's 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 confusing it is really confusing um but in order to tell them how much unless it's the used car world it requires something called lead gate so people have to give up information and they absolutely hate it it's a terrible experience but i also understand that bmw doesn't want bmw dealers to advertise like the mattress king you know come in prices never loader loader going out for business all this stuff that just I bought a BMW. I didn't buy a you know two hundred dollar queen size mattress. So right. how do you how do you how does that get solved, or doesn't it ever get solved? You know, I I think if I've there's one. I've been complaining one... about it for years. <laughs> you complain. I know it's odd. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I you try to look at it because part of being in, in an ad agency is you're always thinking about consumer perspective. Right. And from a consumer perspective, I think um, having a more consistent pricing environment across dealers mm-hmm. is really valuable for consumers because it, it it's it's easier to make decisions on where you want to go, whether it's proximity to your house, your office, things such as that. Um, but it does take away some of the competitive selling strategies for dealers on how they want to price their vehicles, go to market, all of these types of things. I think manufacturer regulations on pricing and where dealers can advertising or advertise are going to continue to expand and they're, they're going to continue to take higher levels of control over pricing and um, I think more and more dealers are going to be um, 
in one price environments, which we do in Minnesota have the highest concentration of one price dealers in the entire country. And we're this is an anomaly, this market, it because is. it's really not that way in the rest of we the country. We have the highest credit scores in yeah. any market yeah. across the country. It's just a unique Lutheran, good Minnesota, you know. Yeah integrity people work and pay their bills and they go in they buy a car and there's just fewer shenanigans like we have clients new jersey florida california oregon we have clients all across the country and the different pricing strategies florida has to be the worst right Uh, maybe (laughs) i don't know that some of those east coast markets are pretty crazy yeah they're like where you grew up yeah, <laughs> Massachusetts. No, actually, Massachusetts has got super tight consumer mm-hmm. protection yeah. laws. Massachusetts, New York, and California are probably the tightest, uh, yep. most highly regulated states in the country in terms of in favor of consumers and not. I agree. Jewish. Florida's got a lot of nine hundred dollar dock fees. So, and so some of them will have a dock fee of eight hundred ninety nine dollars. In Minnesota, it's legally capped at I think we're at a hundred bucks now. I think so, yeah. Which is it's appropriate. It's like a titling yeah. fee when you buy yeah. a house. Yeah. So they have a nine hundred dollar dock fee, but then they'll also have like a three ninety nine electronic filing fee. Oh, <laughs> it's God. Just like, I, 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 how it, it just drives me. That shit crazy. Pardon me for the technical term. Transportation but. fees. Right. You just you stack them up, and all of a sudden you've got two, three thousand dollars in fees on top of the car price. There's a great Seinfeld episode where Elaine's boyfriend, what's his name? Uh, it's not Putty. Warburton. Yeah, Putty. But Putty. you know, you know the actor. Patrick Warburton. Patrick Warburton. Yeah, he's he's a science, he's a mechanic, and then he's going to become a salesman. And, and Jerry's he pissed him off somehow, but he's trying to buy a car from him. And he says, "All right, well, let's see. Let's get to the price. It's thirty nine ninety five, uh, taxes, four hundred ninety nine dollar locate fee." And Jerry goes, "Locate fee? It's right over there." And he goes, "You're right." And he just keeps going. <laughs> You know, it's really interesting, though, right now, because, you know, dealers have been selling cars below invoice for so long now. And with the, you know, the chip shortage and the inventory shortage, Mm -hmm. yes, dealers are making more money per car, but it's it's more normalized on pricing. It's closer to that suggested MSRP because the industry has been so far down for so long. And if it weren't for all the shenanigan fees... Mm -hmm. You lose money on every single car sold. Well, but part of it is the manufacturers, and not all of them, but Nissan's a great example. Uh, um, They have what's called stair steps. Mm -hmm. Katie knows what those are. But basically it says this. uh, If you sell 100 and you'll get a goal at the beginning of the month. If you sell 109 new Nissans, we will pay you $1,600 a car. Mm-hmm. Now, the normal profit, not now in uh, the COVID times, but normal new car profit uh, in a, a non-highline dealership is three or $400. That's typ- in typical markets, that's what dealers make, and then expenses come out of that. So at 1600 bucks, it's like, that's a great deal. Mm-hmm. So you, it makes the dealers chase it. Yeah. And the way you chase it is by dropping price, dropping price, dropping price, and heaven forbid if you're a customer that comes into one of these dealerships in the last couple of days of the month when there are a few deals short, it's like hostage negotiation. <laughs> it's a terrible experience because there's so much on the line. If you yeah. hit your number, you're profitable for the month a as a dealer. Swing. If you miss it, you're, you're, you lose money. Mm-hmm. And the old joke in the car business is uh, what does the owner say to the general manager after a bad month? And the answer is, will the defendant please rise? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's, I think that you're right that it has become more normalized. I I don't know. It's going to be an interesting, I'll be out of the car business before this take hold, but when electrics truly take over in the next 10 years, the challenge for dealers is going to be lost of fixed, uh, the sales department's called uh, variable, and the service department's called fixed. It's the insider, insider slang. But these cars are going to require a lot, lot less maintenance, and so it'll be interesting to see. I think I'm, I agree with you. I think that build-to-order stuff is just BS that somebody at Ford said last summer because they were selling all their Mustangs. But 
let's not forget they just invested 11 billion dollars in a plant to make electric f-150s i don't think the guys at the plant and gals are going to sit around waiting for the phone ring to say oh katie wants a green one all right fire up the line they're going to make these things as fast as they can because mm -hmm. you're right their job is to uh, increase market share they're beholden to their stockholders because they're all publicly traded that's i think it's and we're, we've, we're also conditioned in the modern market because of Amazon to expect stuff like right now. I mean, and I, I fall for that, too. It's like, we just ordered this three days ago. It's supposed to be here by now. Now it's going to be another six hours. What in the heck? I know. But you can't get that mad about it. I, I think one of the things that I am predicting is leasing will increase in markets that are not typical lease markets just because new car prices are so high. So right. if there's a, a prediction that I have is That's why you that need area. We'll talk about that later. So let me tell you a funny story. So Tom's driving the big S-Class that I sold him a few years ago. They downsize, and Mrs. Tom's like, you got to get rid of this mafia car. It takes up too much room. I can't take the cat out. So Tom's like, you know, maybe a convertible would be nice. And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe like an A6, mm -hmm. uh, all-wheel drive cabriolet, an E-Class, something, you know, cool, a little smaller. He likes convertibles. He has a Mustang. I can't find one anywhere. I mean, there's just none. Did you go to carsoup.com? I did. it. I, did, I went <laughs> everywhere. I even called Mike Rader at Sears. He knows everything. <laughs> um, so I thought, you know, really, he's in Florida a lot. He just needs something that's all-wheel drive, a little smaller. Why don't you just lease an Altima for a few years, and then when the lease is up, then the you know the market will be over, and he does, and it was a great experience. But here's the the cool thing that happened: Nissan just when they announced their incentives for November in was it Tuesday or Wednesday, eighteen month leases, eighteen and twenty four. That's amazing. I think it's really smart. It is. Back really in the smart. day in our campaigns, those were called two year test drives. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, See? there was a, a company that worked with Ford. It was called Half a Car, and they were they were they. Were, were the first ones that brought those to market but i think it's smart on nissan to bring those back so if you can't get quite the car of your dreams or what you want you can still drive a brand new car it's and you're smart. out of it they're going to get the units in operation yeah. and I think and they'll they, get customers yeah. back yeah. you know when the uh, when it's the uh, deal takes over so hey, but Jackie, I, I agree would you call Catherine and tell her i'm just going to wait here until the morning show starts <laughs> Oh, my God, we went way over. This is what happens when you get highly verbal people. Yeah, exactly. Is it my fault? You, no, no, it's no, mine. No. I was talking too much. And, and you, you, you said, I'll talk about that later. I'm like, wow, sorry about that. Uh, and sorry, Mike Gelfan, you got a whole sentence and a half in in the last six hours. He already seems. hung up on you. You're done. No, he's, yeah, no, I, he's you know, I don't get paid by the word anymore. So, uh, <laughs> That's right. Take that home. But I, but I found myself mesmerized. I'm sure it was. Thank you very much, sir. There you know, are no uh, podcasts next Thursday. Right. You'll be in Nashville and I'll be in Israel and we'll be back in two weeks with another exciting episode of Walzer Automotive so, Group's Car Selling Secrets. Love it. <laughs>